This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Gelsley gets there. Another good kick from him. And here's Hutton now. Hutton going past one man, finding Wagstaff. Wagstaff turning well. Setting up Chilton. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Hull and Bat podcast. I'm Matthew Lill, and tonight I'm joined by Will, Nathaniel, and our special guest, Barry Cooper. How are you doing, everyone? You all right? Good evening, everybody. Good evening. evening. Classic thumbs up by Nathaniel. <laughs> it doesn't really work on a podcast, does it? No, not on the audio, mate. Not on the audio. Just um, even sound language doesn't make sense. Um, the way it's going to work tonight is we're reviewing the West Bromwich Albion game, the bands of the game. Going to do a little part in the middle about the England squad. And we're also going to chat to um, Baz Cooper as well about what he does and why he does it. So before we get to that, I do want to mention our sponsors and our partners. So start off with first, I'm going to mention Hull City Retro. For anybody who doesn't know what Hull City Retro are, Hull City Retro are a company that recreates Hull City shirts of the past. Basically, shirts that we couldn't get hold of because simply because we wasn't born at the time. And they recreate these at £50 a pop. Instead of us having to buy the authentic at two, three hundred pounds a pop. Really, that simple. And Will and, and a few of us um, on the podcast, I've got some, and they're really good replicas. I'm still waiting for mine to be delivered. Second one I'd like to speak to is Hull Badgeman. For anybody who doesn't know who Hull Badgeman is, it's Daryl. He stands outside the grounds and he simply sells badges. Uh, it's a bit of a dying out due to everything that's gone on recently. He didn't get a chance to be outside the grounds while there's no fans, and um, so. It really would help if people would help um, reach out and help out and you know support local businesses, especially with the whole badge man. One of our final sponsors is Charlie Spalding Filmmaker. Um, I mention it all the time. He's got a great portfolio. Some of the brands and some of the names he's worked with along the names of Adidas and um, Jackie Abbott. He's got a decent portfolio. It's worth checking out, especially within the motor trade because that's where he specialises. So for, the, for those eagle-eyed viewers, you'll see that Ant has now joined us. Just before we move on to the next step, which is the reviewing the West Bromwich Albion game, where we lost 1-0 away from the Hawthorns. We spent a lot of time camped in our own half, and West Brom enjoying a lot of possession. Uh, I just want to start this off by asking, like, what, what did you all think? Um, and I'll come to you first, because you're going to be the longest one speaking at this point, I reckon. What did you think <laughs> of the performance? Um, well, it's a weird one, isn't it? Because in terms of our... Um... 
recent performances, it was actually quite decent in a defensive sense because I think our biggest weakness this season, obviously other than not being able to score a goal, is the fact that we leak goals like our defence are a sieve. So, it bodes well. Um, <laughs> so we looked fairly strong in a defensive sense. We didn't offer anything going forward, but we, we looked like that. You know, West Brom were really struggling to break us down. And the frustrating thing is that their goal came from um, an individual error at the back, which was entirely preventable. Uh, West Brom lured us into that little high-press trap and, and caught us on the thing and they scored. And then that's it, game over. Because, you know, even though we had a few chances in the last minute, you, 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 as a City fan at the minute, you don't actually think we're going to score. So as soon as you go 1-0 down away at West Brom, you, you know that you're in trouble. I know, the credit where it's due for holding them out for as long as we did, but we spent a lot of time camped and some teams were buckled, you know. Some of the signs were like similar to Swansea, where it finished nil-nil. We spent a lot of time off-ball, just watching, covering gaps, covering spaces. I mean, for you guys, what did you think? Uh, yeah, I thought they were really well organised, which, and if I'm honest, we, the, the chat in the press room before the game was... Very much that if West Brom aren't in front and aren't comfortably in front by half time, they would be booed off. Uh, and that was true to form. So I think that was a mark of yeah. a, a mini achievement for City that they got to half time at 0 0. Given they looked they looked nearby the first 15 minutes, there was a, a, a bit of a, a kerfuffle at the back, and you know, they hit the post and, and Matty Ingram made a, a smart save. But that aside, you know, they, they did West Brom huffed and puffed, but didn't really look like scoring. and even as the second half wore on, I kind of felt relatively comfortable, which is not something I've... Like at Swansea, for example, while City were, as you said, were camped in their own half for long periods, I felt like at some point that they were going to be breached, that there was a goal coming. Yeah. I never really felt that at West Brom. And the goal was just ridiculous. It was just... It was one of those where all night they'd been... They, they, Matt Ingram had cleared his lines well. They, they, they'd, they'd got the ball forward. Yeah, OK. They didn't have a. It kept coming back because very often McGuinness, and I know McGuinness gets an awful lot of stick, but defensively he was exceptional at West Brom. Um, and it's like where's he been all season from from the corner because he's, he was heading everything away. Um, yeah. But to give away, like you said, to give away such a sloppy goal, it really grazed me because they could have, City could have got away from Albion with a point. And if I'm brutally honest, I don't think too many people could have complained if they, yeah, they, we didn't create a huge amount. Going forward, um, that said, in the last probably the last, if you include the last five minutes of normal time and then four or five of, of added time for the last ten minutes, you know, Keane's had a, a Keane's had an absolute belter of a chance, and I, I would suggest if he had that now, he'd probably at least hit the target. Ryan Longman, yeah. you know, had two really really good chances, but in fairness to Ryan, he'd been on the pitch for a matter of, matter of seconds and hadn't been on a pitch for God knows how many weeks. So we're expecting the lad to come on against uh, at West Brom with his first touch and pretty much score. He hit the target with his first one and he, he, he tried to fanny about on, with, with the second one, trying to shift it on his feet. But, yeah. you know, they, they, we could well have nicked a point. And I, I'll be honest, I don't think, as I say, I don't think too many could have complained. No, I, I agree. And it kind of, it's a bit like, remember Bournemouth at home where we drew 0-0? I felt like they could have tapped all day and they wouldn't have scored. Yeah. And it felt like that with West Brom. And it needed to be something that we did wrong for them to score. And exactly that came. And I think it's all right pointing fingers and blaming the, you know, playing it short. But we've done that a couple of times in the game. And I don't know if you remember from one of the first ones we did, we got Keane Lewis Potter in down the left yeah. wing and did a nice little drive back. You know, that could have quite easily been one of the looks. 
So it's it's all right pointing the finger when it goes wrong, but you've also got to credit it when it goes right as well. I think. Yeah, I think I think you're exactly right, and I think look. I'll always be objective and fair, and I don't, you know, I, I get the. I know I'm going off. I'm going, to, I'm going off slightly at a tangent here, but I know, I know the manager gets an awful lot of stick from from supporters for for what's gone on before, and I get, I, I get it. But you, you have to be objective and say West Brom were playing in the Premier League in May. Hull City were playing in League One, and I think that those sort of things can get lost in translation. Similar to Bournemouth, were only in the Premier League the season before last. You know, Fulham. You know, we, we went to Fulham. And I'll be honest, it's, when we were sitting there at half time, we're two 0 down. You're thinking, Christ, this could be anything. This could have been yeah. at that point. It, it felt there uh, like it, it could have been a Blackburn home to Sheffield United. If, if any of you guys were at, at the cottage, you may well have felt the same. But they stuck at it, and it, as the game wore on, with it even at two 0 they still had chances. Um, and these are against teams that have got huge, huge budgets. I, I don't. Again, you get caught in a narrative, don't you? And, and obviously, yeah. Grant has, been taught, has talked a lot about budgets in the last couple of weeks. We'll probably come on to why he's done that in a, in a few in a, in a little while, but that they are genuine reasons to, to mention that City have had a, a decent go. They, they, if, they, if they go to West Brom uh, and try and play like they did at Barnsley, they're probably going to get torn to pieces, and the same at Fulham. So you have to tailor your game plan to suit the opposition. It can't all be about you. You know, some teams are good enough to go to Fulham and say we don't care how Fulham play. We're going to play. You know, we've got better players. The reality is we haven't got better players than Fulham. That's that's. I think we can all agree on that. So you have to try different ways to, to set up. And I think um, at, at, at West Brom they set up the or well, McCann set up the best way he could with what he'd got available. And but for a, a calamitous mistake, he's you know he, he may well get a point. The thing is now with Grant, he's got his he's now got that stick on his back where he's got such a bad record. It doesn't matter what he does now. He's not going to come out. I, I don't see a positive side of him coming out. You know, he could go on and win the next five games, and he's still got an awful record. And you know, and that's ultimately what he's going to be judged on. I don't agree in judging him on that because I do see some of the performance levels, and I do see that we're only a whisker away sometimes from getting a better, more one one point or three points. But you know, it's it's each to the run, and that's the beauty of football because everyone's got a different opinion on watching the same thing. So. Um, I'll move on to um, Will and Nathaniel now. I want you to just give me a name each and tell me, you know, who stood out for you and why against West Brom, if you've got one. Yeah, um, for me, probably because obviously following on with the defensive, I thought Jacob Greaves was an absolute rock mm. at the back. For the entire defence as a whole was very good, but I thought Jacob Greaves really showed a lot of maturity at the back in that defence. I think he's, he did that as well against Barnsley, I think. He did it well against... He did. He's, he's guilty of sometimes making a couple of mistakes. You know, that first one that he did against Preston where he nearly put them through to make it 2-1 at the beginning of the second half. You know, that's he's guilty of doing a couple of them. But more recently, you've seen him being the guy who's pulling people out of the crap. And I think that's good to see of him. You know, that's that's a credit to his game. What about you, Nathaniel? Uh, well, I mean, I didn't see the game and I couldn't bring myself to watch the highlights. So I don't really know... <laughs> I mean, uh, uh, so I, I really so I don't have a name. <laughs> I know, um, but uh, I mean, yeah, it was frustrating. I'll just talk about the game in general, if I can. Um, I mean, it was the frustrating to lose. Uh, yeah, exactly. It just the, the, the result in general, yeah, I guess. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, uh, but I mean, I think that game and the last one, that Barnsley, has shown that actually we can defend which is a bit frustrating. Maybe we weren't doing that before. But, you know, if it's just been one silly error against 
West Brom, and and it's not uh, it's not like they broke us down. So to only concede a goal, we sort of created against West Brom was quite impressive, even though we didn't really have much going forward. And then of course, keep a clean sheet against Barnsley was really impressive. So um, maybe you know we started the podcast saying we we can't score and we can't defend. Maybe just just maybe one of those areas is being improved a little bit, which is promising. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And just to move on to the thoughts before the game, then, so we spoke about what we thought after the game, after watching the game. Um, we all look at it, don't we? Now, before kickoff, we're straight on Twitter or we're on the, the score the score apps to see what the lineup is. And I'll, I'll, I'll put it to you, Anne. What, what did you think of the lineup when you saw it? Um, well, I expect it, I fully expect the outfield 11 that he fielded now. That's obviously at the moment Grant's favourite starting lineup. Um, I don't think anyone in the city fan base expected Ingram to be dropped, and I can't see why he was dropped. Um, I we're mean, West Brom, mate. West oh, we're still on about West Brom. Um, <laughs> you know, it's one of them, isn't it? It's like I said, it's the same lineup. He's got, he's, he's got. You see, the the problem for me is, is like Smallwood's been in for quite a lot of stick this season, and he's actually been playing quite well recently. Um, my issue with it is how why he persists with Wilkes. Now, we, we all know, and we'll all have a little Wilkes rant on this, I imagine, um, in terms of effort, endeavour, tracking back, creating chances, um, getting into space, getting on the end of things. He's just not doing it, is he? And you, you, when, when, when you're not scoring goals, you want to see a change in the lineup that's that's proactive. And it's thinking, right, this isn't working, so let's change that area. Uh, and he doesn't seem to do it, and it, it's... It's confusing because it's either are the players that can play Wilkes' position just not fit and he, and, he, and he just can't play somebody in or or will he just not do it? Because I know Wilkes scored a lot of goals last season, top scorer, whatever. You know, it's the league below. He, he did all right in the championship for us when we got relegated. He was probably one of our better players. But he just doesn't seem to be at it this season. And it's just, you want to see a, a, a change in the front three because I think, like we said, like we mentioned before, Lewis Potter's taking far too much responsibility of goal scoring on his own and it's affecting his game because he's lashing at shots, you know, single-handedly trying to change it himself. Um, McGuinness hasn't been as effective in that in that role that we we, we used him so well last season. Um, I think they're hitting it long. He's, you know, he's struggling against some of the better defenders in this league and you just want to see something shift up in the front three and then when you see the same lineup, you're just kind of like, oh, so we're not scoring again, but you know, what can you do? I think it's easy to have that mindset when you've seen and you, you watch some sort of performances. Baz, on the, on this, I think on this podcast, we're notoriously known for not liking Wilkes and his current performances. <laughs> um, I just want to get your thought on like how he's been since you've seen him back in the Championship. Um, I think if anybody's read my player ratings, which I don't particularly like doing, if I'm honest, but uh, they'll mm. see that I've continually said that I don't think he's put in his way. And um, I accept that with Malik, the, he obviously was injured in pre-season. He got then cropped on awful tackle at Preston, which 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 knocked him back a bit. And then he was out for a few weeks. And I think he's really, really struggled to make the step up. I think with, with somebody like Will, you can get away with it perhaps in League One, that the, the, the effort, that certainly going back towards his own goal, the problem you've got at this level is you get punished, and I think Louis Coyle has been has been woefully exposed because of Malik's 
um, lack of defensive fortitude, if you like, and and also going forward again, he's got that he's got that lazy look about him when he when he runs forward and he tries to twist and he turns and you just can't get away with. It. There was a couple of occasions on Saturday, you know, where we were sat in the in the main stand at Barnsley, right above the pitch, and you've got a really good view of him in the first half when he was he was going down the right hand side and he was just trying too much. For me, um, and again, this is something I've I've said for weeks now. I would have Josh Emmanuel in the team in Malik's position, and I know that would take theoretically would take out, um, if you like, an attacking player in, in Wilkes. But I feel like we've been carrying him for for a period of time now. Yeah. Um, and having Josh in the team would not only give us something, um, he's actually very, very good going forward down to the byline himself going that way, but he's exceptionally good going behind him as well. And that would also, we saw it in the second half at Fulham. Uh, he, Randall came off at half time and, and Josh went went right side to try and, because everything was coming down that side. Poor old Louis Coyle was getting absolutely annihilated time and time again. Um, and I feel that would have given City some solidity uh, defensively, but also some, a different a different flavour down the right hand side. But yeah, onto, for me, it's hard, isn't it? Because you know, you think he scored an awful lot of goals, what twenty four last, twenty three, twenty four last season, uh, and he's got the raw material that he's got. You, you think he's got the ability to step up, and for whatever reason, it hasn't worked. You thought the goal against Peterborough might might kind of be a kickstart and give him the confidence that all strikers need. And it just hasn't worked. And I'm, I've got to be honest, I'm not seeing enough from him at the minute to, to, to say that he warrants a place. Even, even on Saturday, when it, he'd be really hard pushed to say that there was anybody that didn't play well at, at Barnsley. For me, he was the one that didn't play particularly well. Do you think he I, looks unfit, Barry? Yeah. From your opinion, because to me, yeah. I think he looks. I think he looks more overweight. Not not necessarily immensely overweight, but he looks stockier. He looks slower. He, he looks yeah. like he doesn't want to beat the last man anymore. And I just thought that maybe. That's a. Yeah, I think that's a valid point, and I've said said something very similar. I don't think he looks, he doesn't look as fit as he did last year. Whether that's a, a conscious decision by him and the, the club to to maybe change how he how he operates, but Malik is is better when he's he's, he's got somebody on the back, you know, running backwards towards their own goal, looking skin him and put the ball past him. He doesn't. I'm, I'm at the minute. I watch him play. And I'm not. I'm not sure what he's bringing to the table. I'm not sure. You know, he twists and he turns, but then he goes into trouble or he gives it away. And I'm all for persevering with people and giving them a chance because, you know, we as, as supporters, as media, we don't know what's going on behind closed doors. We don't know what issues players have got in their in their personal life. So it could very well be, I'm not saying there is, but it could very well be a case of something behind the scenes that's affecting his performance. But ultimately, it's affecting his performance. Um, and for me... Taking him out, taking him out the side. Whether you go a Josh Emmanuel or whether whether you go with a a Ryan Longman or even a Tyler Smith, I, I think we touched on it earlier on. I, I believe there are options there. It's not we must play Malik Wilkes because we've got nobody else. And even if he's only on one leg, we'll play Malik Wilkes. I fit. I feel there are alternatives, and the side would be stronger at the minute if he if he wasn't in it. Yeah, I think you've nailed it there because. It seems to be like if he's half fit or he's, he's got a bit of fitness about him, he gets put in the squad because he's got that moment, which we 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 also last season he's got the ability to create a moment out of nothing. But at the moment we don't need that. We need people that are going to do the doggy work, people that are going to do the hard work, and he's just not doing that for us. And I mentioned it I think probably about six, seven weeks ago now, and he seems to be the only winger I know in the world that wants to roll his fullback. He, he's happy being back with his back to him and then try and spin him and. 
you just can't do that at this level. You know, the fullbacks you're going up against know how to defend. It's not as it's easy. Too to it's too predictable, mate. It's too, you know, you can yeah. get away with it in League yeah. One and doing it time and time again, and you can get away with it to a, to a certain extent in the Championship, but not every single time. You know, look, Josh McGuinness did it did it beautifully on Saturday. Back to goal, loyal uh, coil fizzed it into him. He, he spun his man, went away and crossed it, and that's what led to the opening goal. So it it can work, but. Mc, Malik is trying it too often, and he, he's for me. He's he, he's a, he's a dream to defend against. He's yeah. you've got you've got Keen Lewis Pot on the other on the other side, who is an absolute nightmare. So much so, you know, Barnsley made a change, and then I think it was was it Jordan Williams. Then number two went off because he just couldn't cope with with Keen, yeah. and they couldn't cope with him. That's the difference. You see, Keen's direct. He will put. He's happy to to, to run in behind. He's happy to get the ball played on the deck in, in inside inside right and go. Malik just offers nothing. Frankly, right now, a, a, a part of me thinks that maybe it's about the game plan because we do see a lot where the inside wingers tuck in and allow the overlap. Is he just looking for that overlap too often? Because it, it would make sense if he's got his back to him and wants to spin off and shoot the left or the easy layoff to the right for Coyle to put across him. But it's just nothing's coming productive of it, and that's a really difficult part. part I think we're, we're struggling with that. But, I like um, to see the wingers alternate wings, me during the game. Do you know that some some managers get their wingers to swap sides during the game, like occasionally, just to keep the fullbacks guessing? Because to me, Wilkes doesn't have a right foot at all, so he will ne- never ever go. Whereas Keno is quite happy to go either side, so the defenders, you know, you can't lure him down one way because you don't know which way he's going to go. Wilkes only has a left foot, so. He's always going to do the same thing. If he's not backing into his defender, he's going to try and cut inside. He won't go on the outside. So all the fullback has to do all game is keep yeah. showing him on his outside and then he runs into a corner and loses it. If you swap the wings every now and again and get Wilkes on the left side with his left foot and stop trying to play with the inside forward route, maybe pop a couple of crosses in for McGuinness where arguably he's best, then you know in the, in the game that shows that bit of variation that, that fans are pining for because at the moment it's just repetitive. It's the same... And it's the same for 90 minutes. There's no change unless like, we drastically need it and then it's usually too late. Um, so for me, I'd like to see him swap wings every now and again. Yeah. Um, and one person I want to give a, a, a good mention to is McLaughlin. You know, and I, I mention this a lot. When a player comes on and they come on court, which generally when you come on as a centre-back, you're not, it's not a tactical change on the 70th minute. Nine times out of ten, it's an injury. So to come off, and, come off cold and... Um, put the performance he did, he, he did against West Brom. He, he deserves a lot of credit there. Anyone agree? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, McLaughlin's a brick wall. I've always thought that whenever he's played. I've never been... Uh, I mean, maybe it's because he's mostly played in the cup. Like, I remember he had a fantastic performance against Stevenage, but that's Stevenage. So, well, he had, uh, he had to play a, a bit at the end of the first... Championship season, we went down, didn't he? And I think that's right because because that mm-hmm. team was so poor, he gets chucked in the well. He's not very mm-hmm. good, Calgary, because that team was just calamitous towards the end. Yeah. So we had um we had three actual City players playing against us against West Brom, um in Snodgrass, Livermore, and Townsend. What did we think to them? They didn't score, so that's something. <laughs> I thought they were all going to. I was a guarantee that Snodgrass would bang a free kick in. Yeah. Mm. I think Livermore and Snodgrass, you can tell their best years are behind them. Um, yeah. They didn't look mm. anywhere. Like, if you remember the Snodgrass that was single-handedly t- trying to keep us in the Premier League that that season we sold him, um, mm. he didn't look a shadow of the player of that. And then you got to look at Livermore that was the box-to-box dynamo, beefed up a bit towards the end before he left us, but was still 
playing that sort of destroyer role a bit effectively. He was kind of, he was behind the game a little bit. I think I do like Townsend though. I, I regret letting him go. Seeing how good he's become as a as a wing back, he's very good. If you notice how wide he stayed, obviously that's part of their system. But he was just hugging the touchline, and he was like fifteen yards away from the nearest City player, and he just had so much space to stretch us. And he was happy to bomb up and down all game. I thought he was quite good. Yeah, there's a few like that in, in the like Townsend, where at the time there wasn't being good enough, and then you see him come back and they have the, the better moments. And it sometimes are higher than us in the league. You know, you've got your, your Sonny Bradleys, Liam Cooper, and you know you've seen it now with Connor Townsend as well. You know, these sort of players were being not good enough for us, and now they're having better careers than us. So, you know, Josh, Josh uh, Timon's another one at Stoke City, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Timon as well. Was, I, I, thought he, I thought he was really impressive a couple of weeks ago. He, he's a little bit of a different one, though, because he? he wasn't really deemed as not good enough for us. He thought he'd better than us. He got given an opportunity to go somewhere else. In my opinion, sorry, um, the option was good was to go to Stoke. So it, normally they're going below us, aren't they? Going down a league or two. Um, but that, that kind of sums up, you know. We, we in terms of the match stats, it, it was I think it, I've got it down here: seventeen goal attempts by West Brom to our nine. We both had five block shots. We spent 30, We only had thirty-two percent possession, and Ingram makes a. a a massive four saves in comparison to Sam Johnston's one and Sam Johnston's in the England squad. Any, anything gone on there? Yeah. We, we laugh, Matt, but that's another fair point. You know, you're up against a side with an England goalkeeper. Yeah. That's, that's, that's the reality of the piece. Um, there was also the one as well, actually, where he saved. It doesn't count as one of our shots on target, but... Uh, the ball went. I think it was. I can't. I think it was Lewis Potter who put the ball in the box, and Malik sort of went for it, and their defender Kipri, I think it was, got a sort of. Yeah, so it was, oh, yeah. You know. Um, so I, I mean, I think we should claim that as a shot on target. So that's that's increased with now too. But overall, I think I think the group are coming together. I was saying, you know, overall one nil expectations managed, you know, against West Brom. We didn't expect to go in there and, you know, run away with the game. We didn't, the draw would have been nice, but, you know, 1-0 is, is, is a, I'd like to say, a good result against, I think Mike Baz said, was in the Premier League in there when we were in League One. So, you know, keeping it amicable was, was a good scoreline for us, I think. Well, I do, in I'm different circumstances, say, in different circumstances, it's a good result. The problem with mm-hmm. us at the minute is, is that we desperately need points and, you know, you, you like like we say, West Brom are a team that if if at the beginning of the season you'd said what are you expecting to get from the Hawthorns away, you'd say zero. But given how desperate our situation was at the time, you know, lowest scorers in the league, um, in the bottom three, only off the bottom because of Derby's points deduction. It, it's one of them that you know we didn't what that we didn't come away with something. Was yeah, it's it's a tough one. Like say it's a, Cause... if we'd have been like mid table. One nil away at West Brom, you're like, all right, that's fine. But we so desperately need points at the minute that it's just like, you know what I mean? It's so, hard. Yeah, I think it's a tough one to say because you need points at any point during any season, you know, and you should have that desperate feeling no matter whether you're top of the league or bottom of the league. You should have that desperate feeling. And I, I kind of have to disagree with you there because we, we should be going for points at any point. And at that point, we just went in there to try and get the one point. And that's what we did. We went, went there for the one point. We just we wasn't looking up to get it, I thought. Um, and like I said earlier on in the, in the show, um, Grant's now been based on his results, not his performances. And some of the performances have been good, which is a, which is a real shame. But I'll, I'll move us on now past the West Brom game. You know, that's the doom and gloom of the, of the loss that the North Point's picked up. And I just want to speak with uh, Baz a little bit, you know. 
Baz, you, you, you obviously avoid at the moment by the whole Daily Mail. Um, is it the whole Daily Mail? Is still known as the whole live? Um, it's whole Daily Mail, whole live, uh, part of Yorkshire live. It's just because that I can't keep up with it now because that many different <laughs> strands. Um, but ultimately, we, we still we still print the newspaper, so it's the whole Daily Mail and whole live is the the online version. I can't remember the last time I saw Hull Daily. I used to pick one up every single day on the way home from school for my mum. Um, the late edition, because they used to do that, didn't they? They used to yeah, do the yeah, edition yeah. and the late yeah. edition. Make sure you get the late edition, son. Um, so, what, what, how did you get into it? Like, Have, have you always been into um, journalism, sports journalism? Or? Yeah, I mean, when I was, basically, I wanted to be a football writer when I was at school. Um, and I used to, the, the club I used to play for, I used to write the match reports and stuff like that. I used to, uh, English was one of my things at school. And, uh, and then I sort of went away and, and did various, did an apprenticeship in like administration and various other opportunities came up. And it bizarre, really. One, one afternoon I came home from work and I picked up 442 had been delivered because I used to subscribe to that. And there was an advert for a, a sports journalism course at university. And I thought, you know, that's that's what I really want to do. So I phoned up. Uh, this was the August uh, of that of that year. Ended up chatting to the the, the John Rafferty was the the tutor's name at the time. And it, it, funny enough, his his lad was the, the I think he was the bassist in the band the Kooks, if you can remember them. Um, <laughs> oh, sorry, the Kooks. The Kooks. Yeah. Oh yeah, the Kooks. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and he offered me a place, and literally overnight, I quit work. Thankfully, I was only. 18 I think seven no 17 so I was still living at home and I could you know packed up my job and went to university overnight and and, and that that was that really and then obviously you come out of university with a, a, a journalism degree and it's everybody else in the world wants to do what you do and write about football so you kind of have to go right how do I do this and worked at centre parks and various other organizations and uh the opportunity came to to to, to get a job and I thought if I if I could I did I'd done sales before I'd worked in schools and taught PE and what have you and I thought if I could if I could get my foot in the door at a newspaper doing some sales that might give me a a way in so I I did got a long story short got offered got a meeting with the guy the, the publisher at the Nottingham Post at that point and said look give me a chance just give me a chance to prove myself and I ended up starting I started working in their promotions department my first day I went over to the sports desk and said look lads if you've got anything anything that I can help with, um, you know, I'll, I'll do. So I ended up doing like a Wednesday Wednesday column and then it started doing a, a forest column thereafter. And then I covered I covered Nottingham Rugby for two or three seasons on a Friday night, just in my own time. Uh, and then it sort of morphed from there, really. Ended up covering Forest, covering, did a bit of Leicester City uh, around their uh, Premier League title win. And that was pretty oh, wow. cool. But yeah, uh, so yeah, it's it's kind of been. Then it, I got worked closely with the forest. They got the, we were covering forest, and we had quite you know in that what this is probably four or five years ago. Now we had there's three or four of us writing about forest every single day, um, and now obviously that's all been whittled down. And like I know up, up here we had uh, John T and Phil, um, and then there'd be other help, but the industry's changed. So yeah, and then obviously Reach had a lot of. Um, because of COVID, Reach had a lot of restructure last season. The Phil clearly departed, and the opportunity came up to to come up to Hull and, and cover Hull City. And that was it was, you know, there was one or two other opportunities around. Premier, there was one or two Premier League club, clubs that were, that were there, but there was something there was something, you know, I quite liked about Hull City. You know, 
I love the. I'm, I'm familiar with the area. I spend a lot of time up on the east coast. My, my dad lives in Bridlington. There's just a, you know, a nice symmetry there with the area, you know. And um, it, it, it felt like it felt like a good move. And obviously, I, I must admit, I didn't expect the situation with the club to, to go on as long as it did. I, I kind of was a bit naive in that, possibly, and thought, oh, it'll be all right. We'll have a meeting, common sense, and we'll sort it out within a couple of weeks of the season starting, and then we'll be we'll, we'll be we'll, we'll be best pals again. But. Um, but no, so it's kind of, you know, it's one of those, Matt, you have to, you know, you have to work for your opportunities and you have to put the groundwork in and you have to do, you know, you have to do so many hours and work really, really hard to get, you know, to, to get the opportunities if you want it. And I speak to quite a lot of students um, who ask, you know, for advice and stuff. And you always, you always say that, you know, put yourself out there. Don't be afraid to go sort of away, away to do other things. It will, if you want to, you know, get to where you want to get to, you've, you've sometimes got to be prepared to to move around and, and put your name out there, go and do things you don't necessarily want to have to do, and put the put the hard yards in, and hopefully you'll get your rewards. And to say, you know, put the foundations down for you to build on afterwards, and you know, credit where you've done what where it's due because you've done that. And you know, reading some of your articles, I actually quite like it. I'm, I didn't used to connect with Phil, so you know, I'm reading yours quite. I, I really quite like him. It, it makes me want to look onto the whole live site again. Yeah, thank. I appreciate that. It's, it's it's difficult because you know we're in this we're in an industry now where you know years ago newspapers just gave readers what they thought they wanted. You know, we would fill the paper with X, Y, and Z, and we would believe that everybody wanted to read it because the paper we sold X amount of copies of the paper. Well, it, we're in a different world now, and unfortunately, we have to do stuff. Fans read stuff that we don't all want to do. We wouldn't all all classes. You know, top quality journalism. There's, there's, there's many ways to skin a cat, as the saying goes, isn't it? And we have to, you know, ultimately we've got to pay the bills. And there's, there's some stuff that we'll put up online that you think, you know, I'd rather not do that, and I, I, I wish I didn't have to. But you have to. We're in an industry, as I say, which is it's it's challenged now, and there's there's so much competition, and advertising is so key. So it, we've we've got to be able to be flexible in terms of what we do and. And also, we haven't got the staff anymore. As I mentioned earlier on, you know, you, we, we've got Phil and Johnson or two others that would write city content. As I say, you know, in Nottingham, we'd have a team of six or seven people and at any given point, four of them would be writing about Forest. So, and that's now one, you know, and, and the same yeah. in, for me. It's basically, you know, I've got three days off at the end of this week um, to spend some time with the family, but there's nobody in my absence. There's nobody to... To, to, to cover so I'm, I, I've got to write stuff this week to try and fill that void yeah, you know and so that right. but ultimately it's the best job in the world isn't it because we get to write about football so you can't have, you, you can't have any complaints this one I was asking you like so obviously you go to every game home and away I mean, is, is this covered on your expenses <laughs> well, I don't go to every home game do I because I'm not allowed in you can't um, go to home games yeah. Matt thanks so for rubbing it in by the way yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm out of spec. That's for a couple of weeks. You could have used that to be fair, mate. Um, so, no, well, I, yeah, completely slipped my head. So, what did you do wrong? Like, I can, I only know is people just want to be, people want answers, and you and the guys are asking questions. Is, are you taking the brunt of that? In, in what respect? Sorry, we'll say that again. So, I'm, I'm kind of like trying to work out what went wrong between the whole day of the mail and um, oh, the Alex. Um... Yeah, so as I understand it, obviously I wasn't around at the time, but it it was when when the season was curtailed because of because of the pandemic, 
there was a, the situation with Jackson Irvine and, and Eric's contracts, weren't there? And there was a, oh, a there yeah. was a sto- there was a story that the Athletic did, uh, and mm. around that time, and then and then there was a couple of pieces that there was one that Phil wrote and one that Smales wrote uh, that they took umbrage with, and they so I, I, as I understand it, they banned the Athletic or banned the reporters mm. from the Athletic concerned, um, but I guess. And this is purely my nobody's. No, this is just my opinion of, of, of kind of looking over it. Yeah. You know, the, the Lambs couldn't or Ehab couldn't impact the, the athletic ban, and the athletic has no impact upon their business model. So, it, it, a way of kind of making an impact, if you like, was to ban the local paper. Uh, so that's what that's what he that's what he decided to do back in June 2020 was ban ban the newspaper from attending matches and pre- speaking to anybody at the club attending press conferences and so on and so forth um and that band's been in situ ever since and yeah. as it's been they tried to use it as kind of like a deterrent for any kind of negative press because I, I think the article i think ron about if i remember it is it the one where it was sort of like um trying to go into detail about why steve bruce left and things like that and a lot of allegations against the owners and and like things going wrong with the club is it that was, yeah i think it was I, just looking at where the club had gone wrong over a period of time, you know, obviously on the verge of being relegated and, and it wasn't just a relegation either, was it? It, it was a, a catastrophic collapse, you know, selling the timing of, of the sale of, of Grzycki and Bowen and, and all that type of stuff. So I think it was just a culmination of things that you can't second. The, the, the thing is, Ant, you can't second guess these people, you know, these you, you de- you're not dealing with humans, you're dealing with egos. Um, yeah. in, and that's what happens in business at, 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 at this sort of level. So, I can't second guess what what that what that reasoning was. I know it wasn't a club decision, as in, you know, it's not a, it's not a relationship issue between, you know, the, the media the media folks and the, the, the paper or the commercial folks. It's, it, 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 it it is a sole decision of the Ehab. It was Ehab's decision, and it's been Ehab's decision to retain that ban. Um, and I know from speaking to the manager and, and players privately, obviously off the record, and because you know they probably get you know lynched if they yeah. if, if, they, if it was if, if they if people so knew. This, but, this, yeah, this, this is, is going to come out. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> well, look, we're all humans. We are, you know I'm, I'm yeah. an away ground. I'm, I'm not if, I, if I'm walking past the team coach, I'm not going to ignore people. I'm going to speak to them and ask, ask, give them the time of day. Um, you know, and that it's been nice to get to be honest with you. Last season, at the end of last season, it was nice to get a bit of support from the players and the manager, and because we, you know, we tried to be all. I think all you, all you ever want from people is is, is is honesty and fairness, and be objective. And if you played if you played shite, then you expect to be told you've played shite. If you played yeah. well, you to be told you played well. And like at Barnes on Saturday, just because fans hate uh, Grant McCann, I'm not going to come out and say, "Oh, it, it was a disgrace. It was this or is that." It was you, know, you, you give him credit. You say he got his tactics spot on, he got his team selection spot on, and his players delivered the game plan that he's been wanting to deliver for God knows how many weeks. Spot on. Um, and so, but yeah, I mean, I it, makes it, it makes it difficult, doesn't it? Obviously, it, it really makes life difficult. But it is what it is. To, to coin a, a, an old uh, Billy Davis phrase, it is what it is, and you just have to get on with it. It's it's it's, a, it's something I had no no involvement with when it happened. Um, you know, I've. I had a meeting at the club back in October last year, came up before the home game against Peterborough last year, came away from that thinking, 
feeling quite positive and actually naively and stupidly thought, I think this, that was a Tuesday of the, and the game was on the Saturday. And stupidly came away thinking, you know, I might, we might be back in back around here on, on Saturday. No. Um, but, you know, hopefully that if, if, if there's a change in ownership, that, you know, obviously if there's a change in ownership, that it will change. And um, I'd like to think if there isn't a change in ownership, then at some point, Mr. Mr. Alam will will see common sense, and I, I know he I know he doesn't particularly think the media's the local media's of any importance. I know he puts a lot. He, he thinks his website, the club website, is is the be all and end all. But you know it, the, the reality of the piece <laughs> is that isn't the case. Not fans don't want to read the official website because there's, there's only that only goes so far. You know, uh, I mean the, the, the match report comes out like the match report comes out like five days afterwards. So I mean, what can that? Well, you know, you, the, look, you speak to anybody at the club away from the, the obviously the, the man with the purse strings, and they will tell you that the, the lo- they want a, they want a relationship with the local media. They want, you know, we, we want to work together. We want, you know, there's there's a lot of things that we can do to help the club and um, and what have you, and, and also ultimately hold them to account when they need to be. But we aren't their PR mouthpiece. And if it, and if if he have thinks that we, we are, we should be that we should be. You know, praising them at every given opportunity. Well, I'm sorry, but that's not how it works. And it's, that, it is um, ludicrous when you think about it, isn't it? Because you, you know, the, the biggest part of football is the fact that there are so many fans and there are so many sports writers and so many, like Match of the Day, for example, can give their um, opinion on a player's performance or a team's performance. And that is the joy of football. You, you, you can discuss what you thought was best. Like me and Matt disagree so often about football, but. Here we are still talking about it. I don't. I didn't kick him off the podcast because because he didn't agree with what I said. It's, it's madness, isn't it? Because you know you've got Ehab wants this sort of perfect. Um, I think this good feeling aura about the club because obviously for you know reasons that we can see there's quite a toxicity around the club, and I think he's sort of um, done a knee jerk reaction to forever having his managers or himself ask negative sort of questions and he's just petulantly gone, no, not having it from any of you. And it's just, as a fan, you know, like there's banning the banning Humberside, for example, there's a lot of supporters now that can't listen to the game. Like they've, they've got to pay for the audio commentary through the, the through the club. And it's just, when you, when you sit here as a fan, it just, it doesn't add to... You know, they're all about building bridges with well, all about building bridges with the fans and trying to it's encourage fans now. to come back in. And 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 then they do things like that. You just sort of you think, well, you're not helping yourself in this situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Benz is gonna ask you some tough questions. Yeah, the whole Daily Mail are gonna give some um player ratings about the performances, but what difference does it make to you guys? It doesn't make any difference to them at all. Yeah, it's it no, it's it's childish. Um and I just hope that Common sense, you know, common sense prevails, and that if 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 the alums own the club for for a little while yet, that, that that we can sort something out, and if they don't, then hope you know you'd like to think common sense would prevail, and we'd be at the, the press conference to unle- unveil the, the new the new owners, whomever they may be. But look, I, I don't think there's anybody in the land that thinks it's a normal. This is normal behaviour. It's it's irrational. It's petty. It's childish. Um, and it serves no purpose. It doesn't help anybody. And ultimately, for me, I've said this from the day from day one, Ant, that it's the supporters that miss out because the support it's you, you folks, the supporters, the, the ones that the ones that the club claim to care about, 
they're the ones that miss out because they don't get the coverage that they deserve. You know, if like you know, look, we're a newspaper, so we divide opinion. Um, and you know, not everybody likes journalists, and you know, you could log on to the whole live website, and you, we could all probably pick off ten stories that we don't like and that we wouldn't like. And you know, it was the same when I worked at Nottingham Post. There'd be some stories that my colleagues would have to go and do that none of us would want to do. But it's it's a job; we have to do it. Um, and you know, I I just think sometimes. It get, you get a bad reputation for it when all we want to do is try and promote the football club in a positive way. Yeah, if the results are terrible, we're going to say, but just to throw your toys out the pram and go, oh, you criticise this, so we're not, we don't want you. It's just, yeah. I, I, it's petty, but like I say, it's a decision that was taken before I arrived. Um, it's something I've had no, I can, I can have no involvement with and I just hope that for the supporters' sakes, you know, it gets sorted because, Without the whole Daily Mail, Hull City get, gets virtually no coverage. The nationals, don't, the nationals aren't interested. Um, you know, the, obviously BBC Humberside do what they can. So it's the whole Daily Mail or nothing really. And I've, and, and and the and club website and club website yeah. are pretty pretty stale. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and that isn't a criticism of anybody that does them. But having worked on the other side previously. Um, I know, I know what's expected, and you have to be. There's a certain party line that you have to tow with club interviews. Um, and so, you know, like I came out the ground when came out the ground on on Saturday, and you've got the you've got Matt from the BBC and, and Leon from Yorkshire Post, and one or two others stood outside the the, the press room in the cold talking to Keen Lewis Potter, and I, I I couldn't get past them to go to the toilet, so I had to wait for them to finish the interview before I could get through to go to... It's like those sort of situations. You just... And I was sat in the press room, actually, when Grant was doing his press conference, um, you know, because just just doing my post-match stuff. And, you know, you got Grant sat there at the top table and you got Dan, the, the press press chat next to him, who's a fantastic fella, um, and Matt interviewed him. And the only other person in, in the room, what, there, was, there must have been 20 people in the room, there was only Leon that asked him a question. And I, for me, that's just... Just ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous. So I've, I could have, I've got a list of questions every, every week that I, I want to ask the manager and whoever's available, but I can't, and I, so I can't. There's a limit to how many answers I can get for you. It's, it's, it's a, it's yeah. a joke, and it, as I say, without wishing to bore you all to death, it is. I'm <laughs> trying, <laughs> I'll try and take you away from that, guys. And I want there's something I wanted to ask you. I think if I ever any journalist or anybody writes, you know, and, and especially for a newspaper. Or, I was asking this question, what's the, what's the weirdest story you've ever wrote or you've had to, like, cover? Like, I bet there's been some mad ones. Like, because you mentioned you've had to do stuff that wasn't football-based. You know, you've had to, you know, go, go lay foundations. What's, what's the weirdest story you've well, had to write? Yeah, I'll give you the weirdest one, and it's and it's not what I've covered, actually, but I was I, I happened to be in the newsroom when it happened, so that's kind of... <laughs> I think it's, it's it's even better actually. Um, yeah. The first one was a couple of years ago. Well, no, it's probably five or six years ago now actually. Um, and it was an incredible story. And a fella, it was at Christmas, and a fella um, bought a, a, an Xbox. Th- thought he was buying an Xbox off eBay um, for something like a quid, um, and got <laughs> delivered. It was, it was a it was a print out of a picture of an Xbox. Um, <laughs> that, was, that was mad. But the, the best one that I've been in newsroom for in recent times was it was it was a quiet Sunday. Um I don't know if you remember the uh Notts, Notts County chairman used to be or the owner used to be a, a chap called Alan Hardy. Um crazy local businessman owned the golf club crazy crazy fella. Uh and we would just be you know carrying on with, with our Sunday afternoon fairly quiet as I say. 
And all of a sudden, we got a phone call to say that Alan Hardy has, has, has posted a picture of his penis on Twitter. And then all of a sudden, that, that morphed, that story morphed from, from absolute nothing to being just remarkable and in the end that you know he was we were trying to get we got him on the phone in the in the office and he was explaining what he why his penis was on twitter and why he loaded it and then turns out he went into the, you know everybody was obviously at the club was shell shocked and he, he goes into uh to meadow lane the next day and instead of like showing any showing some contrition for his, his actions and his behavior obviously which you know would have slightly embarrassed his, his, his family i would think sort of Apparently was uh, was brand brand um brand, uh, I can't even say it bra- bragging on about the size of his of his manhood in the in the in the county <laughs> dressing room for the players particularly <laughs> well um, as you can imagine so yeah I mean you, you do get some you do get some crackers you do get some crackers and um, but yeah that, those two always those, those two always stick in my mind and particularly the Alan, Alan Hardy one because he was just, <laughs> he, he was a larger than life character eat that fella. See, I always think that it's going to be little moments where. Um, have you seen Afterlife on Netflix? Yes, brilliant, love it. Yeah, and he's it, a press journalist, isn't he? And some of the stories you have to cover, like the kid who can play the musical instrument out his nose, is it? And then, you know, the guy who's got five of the same birthday cards for, for his birthday. I yeah. always think that's the sort of thing that's going to pop up. You know, I don't have to do that one. Yeah, I mean, what, on that subject, one of my colleagues. This is years ago. Um, there was. Um, a KFC restaurant was opening, uh, and he, he got sent to live blog the opening of the KFC. And I was that was um, but as you laugh, and you know, that's the sort of stuff that you, you, it's, it's, it's I'd read that, yeah. It's that sort of what we would class as crap content, that's the sort of stuff that people love, and people, and like I touched on earlier on, that. You know, years ago, you never knew what people were reading reading in the paper. Well, now we've got every stat in the world that can tell us who's reading what, where they're coming from, and what they had for breakfast this morning. Frosties, obviously. Um, yeah. and, um, <laughs> and they're the sort of stories, like the live blogging of a, an Audi opening or, you know, stuff like that. It's just, honestly, it's insane. So next time you see what you think is a really shy story on the whole live, you think, who the freaking hell is going to read that? That's crap. That's not journalism. I can guarantee you that story would have been one of the top red stories in the entire country. And that, <laughs> yeah. And it's, people read it. And so it's only there because people read it. If, if people didn't read it, you know, we wouldn't be, we wouldn't put it on the website because nobody, you know, there's no point. You know, that's why you don't see, there's a lot of stories that would have been in a newspaper 10, 20 years ago, like good news stories and stories about village fates and, Know, how somebody rescued a probably a cat's not a, not a good example because cat stuff does really well, but um, you know, it's just mad. And honestly, just sit, sit and look at Chartbeat in an afternoon, and some of the stories that are top that have got a thousand people reading them at that time, you think, Christ, really? But, <laughs> I so, mean, and, and, I mean, and the guy's interested in this transfer stuff, and that's sad, you know, you could I could spend a, a week writing a, a feature on Peter Taylor's left testicle. For example, and <laughs> that's going to be the best story in the world, but nobody read it. But yeah, a salacious transfer rumor: Keen Lewis Potter going to Manchester United for thirty million pounds. That will generate all the, the hits in the world. It's, it's absolutely bonkers, trust me. And you you see it yourself. I mean, the guy who was writing the live blog for KFC got free food, so he's a real wing wing. He's got a wing wing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, 
You can have it on, please. Um, <laughs> moving on from that then, Baz. Um, I'll move on to a little section because we're coming to the international break now. We're obviously we're all England fans. And first of all, I want to say a massive up to Harvey Cartwright, who's had a call up to the 21s, um, under 20, sorry. So hopefully he makes his debut and gets a bit of game time. That'd be nice for him. Um, but we've seen the squad now for the for the seniors. Has everybody seen it? Is everybody aware of it? Or do you want me to just quickly run through it? Just... It did change a bit today, didn't it? Yeah, so um, at the moment yeah, we've got um, we've got um, one Sir Johnson, um, Pickford and Ramsdale. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the defence in the we've got Trent, Tilwell, Cody, um, Reese James, Maguire, Mings, Shaw, who has probably got a concussion, so he's apparently going to join us a little bit later. John Stones and Kyle Walker. In the midfield, you've got Jude Bellingham called back up with Henderson. Mount is currently at the dentist, so he's going to join us a bit late. Um, Phillips, Rice, and James Ward-Prowse has dropped out for injury and been replaced by Emil Smith-Rowe. And then we've got Tammy Abraham, Grealish, Foden, Kane, Rashford, who is now withdrawn, so hopefully there's another spot there, and Saka and Sterling. Out of all the players you've got there, is anybody missing? Anybody who's deserved it on form recently? Yes, there is someone missing. Who might Long have been man. a whole season not too long ago. Go on, <laughs> yeah. say it. Go on, Jared. Oh, Jared, come on. <laughs> yeah. 100%. You know, you look at the stats and what is, how much he's contributed. I mean, he got another two assists yesterday. And um, mm. I think the way Gareth Southgate's been recently in terms of giving the younger players a chance to step up, or even if it's just to get a cap, you know, he's been doing that. I feel like Jared Byrne falls in that category at the moment, a chance to a chance to prove himself, so it would be nice. But there is some other players missing, and I think that maybe are on the fringe. So I'm going to mention these names. I want you to give me a little yes or no on him. Um, Cresswell, West Ham. He's had a good season. Mm-hmm. Um, Especially if Shaw's had a concussion as well. Yeah, yeah you could have him exactly. as a backup, couldn't you? Um, Mason Greenwood on form. I don't know. So. No, not, not above that one. No, no, nope. don't know. Um, he's close, but no, I wouldn't. Tom Pope over Sam Johnston. Well, yeah, he's still a Premier League goalkeeper. That to his side, he's, he's still playing games at the highest level. Yeah, and Burnley are usually quite busy at facing shots, so yeah, <laughs> I mean, thanks to sound actually. Um, <laughs> Trevor Shelley. Barely mm. from think. Yeah, no, not above the midfield options we have. I don't think. And I think not these these are two these are two games that is, is you know you've got friendlies for experiment, and these are two games they need to go yeah. out and, and just get done, win the games. Um, I'm actually going on Friday night. It's a sellout, isn't it? So it'd be interesting to see what what he goes what he goes with. Um, but he'd, he'd expect him to to get the job done. But yeah, I think worry about the likes of maybe uh, Chalabar and whatnot uh, after Christmas. Yeah, and the, the last yeah. couple, of one that I think is really close at the moment, and I think he's unlucky to not be in with a shout is um, Gallagher for Crystal Palace. You know, he's yeah, um, I think yeah, he's, 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 he's there or thereabouts for me. And it's like this. Palace have been a breath of fresh air under Patrick Vieira. What a job he's been he's doing there. The the, the, the style of football he's got on playing, the, the press playing, brilliant. Their press has been <laughs> brilliant. It, it's really mm. good to watch. Um, and a lot like Brighton. I think Brighton have played really well this season. Some of their players have been really good. Cucurella's given a different option left hand side, so um, it, they've been good to watch. That was kind of where I'm going with that. 
I think Emil Smith Rowe probably deserved to be in the squad at the, in the first place, but it's good they actually did get yeah. the call up because he has had a good start as well. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I agree. And I think one that I'd like to see maybe get given an opportunity on the 21 level is KLP. It'd be nice to see if you got a little bit of. Um, it's not. It's not uncommon that you see under twenty ones. You know, it's very true. Water. So it's not uncommon to see that. It'd be nice to see if you got given an opportunity. City players don't get England yeah. call ups above under twenty. <laughs> what did you say, Baz? I was going to say I wouldn't be surprised if Jacob Greaves gets gets some kind of recognition in the not too, too distant future. But you you think that that KLP with the, the way he plays. Um, you know, I think this next between now and Christmas is key for him. If he can, if he can kind of really kick on from his performance against Bond, I actually thought he played quite well at, 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 at Albion as well. To be fair, down the left hand side, that particular first half, he put one or two good balls in, and he looked a th- he looked a threat. And to be honest with you, even through as bad as it's been in terms of results and lack of goals over the last few weeks. KLP's looked the one, he's looked the threat and he's yeah. looked the guy that, that's got the ability to make something happen. Yeah, it's not come off, uh, but he's he, he, he looks the main outlet. If somebody's going to create something or or finish something, it was going to be through him. So I'm glad he got his goal Saturday because confidence-wise, that'd be massive for him. I remember watching it at the time. It just it felt like an age. Do you know when you sat behind the goal? It felt like an age waiting for him to get that first touch in. I was yeah. like, just get that touch in, please get that touch in. And then he puts it away and you... So, yeah, that, that kind of touches on the England squad. Um, I, I think if we do look at someone going into under 21s first, with knowing how they like to pick the bigger players, it's probably going to be Deshaun Bernard, isn't it? Um, the way he's playing. He's, he's a man new player. Good. Yeah, that's what I mean. So, he's, he's having realistically, it's probably going to be him, isn't it? But finally, I think we'll touch on um, the result. Uh, Barnsley, we all, we all enjoyed it. Um, some of we won. Yeah, final. final. It, it's kind of going up a little bit in our group chat beforehand for the podcast because me and me and Joe went and we was trying to get Ant and Will to come and was like, no, we're not coming, we're not coming. And ultimately, they missed whoa, it. Whoa. Uh, I was going to be coming <laughs> until Wag decided to keep me back. Okay. And I'm very <laughs> devastated at that. So, going into the game, um, the thoughts are it's a must win game, obviously. We're away at a team that's only one place above us. And the first bit of news we get given in terms of team news is Ingram's dropped and Baxter's in. What do you think? Well, Twitter was livid. Yeah, I was so angry. I was just confused. I think everyone was equally as confused. You know, we didn't quite understand it. Um, especially when you see that in before Sips during the West Brom game. You can't think he's doing his job. But... On hindsight, and now we've seen the game, I, 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 if anybody else had watched it, I think you'd like to say everything that was put in. Granted, the one bottom corner, so he didn't have to massively move out of the way, but everything he was tested with, he saved. Um, yeah. But the only thing that separated him and Ingram for me was the speed of his distribution and the willingness to play a bit more of a riskier ball out, which meant we could get out straight away as opposed to those 10 passes we normally try from centre-back to left-back to left-back to centre-back and so on. So... That was a big thing for me. The over there, over there striker to the left back or the right back. Did you notice that, Baz? Yeah. I, was it a shock? It's difficult, isn't it? Because it's all we always talk about. You know, when when a manager makes the, the changing goal, it's always a big, big decision. You can't really go back from it. Uh, so yeah, there was an element of surprise. But yeah, I thought he, I thought he dealt with everything really well. I thought he looked really assured. 
Um, I thought that it, to me, it, it felt like they communicated a bit better. There was a, yeah. it felt like there was a, a yeah. clear path of communication. Now, I, I, I almost feel stupid for saying that because Matt Ingram has been in, you know, played all last season and has played 16 games of the championship season this year. So, and it's relatively the same back four, but for Bernard. So, but I, I just felt that there seemed to be a, there was a bit more clarity of thought there. There was one moment in the first half, quite early on, which I thought was quite interesting as well, where uh, Baxter's kind of rushed rushed the goal kick and kicked it straight out of play. And Grant yeah. came out to the edge of his technical area, was like that to him, calm down, calm down. And from then on, he was, he was apart from one moment in the second half where he had an absolute mental block, where he came chasing out of his goal and yeah. uh, caught out. But yeah, I thought he was really good. I thought they looked, so they looked more solid. I'm, this defensively, particularly in the first half, I still thought they looked nervous. Uh, and you know, there was a Devant, I think it was Devante Cole had a free header from inside the six yard box, or just outside the six yard box, I should say, where he should probably hit the target. Yeah. Um, again, better opposition, how it may have been different, but that, that's if but maybe and whatever. But yeah, I, I, it, I must admit, at the start of the season when they signed him, I thought that. By, by the end of September, that Baxter would be number one because I think he's a brilliant goalkeeper, and he showed it at Accrington last season what a top top class goalkeeper he's going to be as, uh, in, further in his career. Um, I think Matt's got, a, and he's done well, Matt. So let's not be fair. Let's not be, you know, unfair yeah. about it. He's played really well. He has made mistakes, and there's there's been a, a fair few goals that have gone in that he should personally, I feel, he should have done better at. Yes, he's he's made some good saves, but the ones he's let in, I feel, he he could perhaps have done better. Um, the West Brom goal obviously came from from a, a, a sloppy kick out. So I feel he's got a, he's got a job on now getting his place back. Yeah, I agree. And this next sentence comes on the back of a goalkeeper who lets in a lot of goals, but it seemed like the defence were a lot more confident with him behind him, and not because um, Ingram did make a lot of saves, but more so I think it was the confidence in terms of how quick they'll be able to get out, the further up the pitch will be when that ball comes out, as opposed to receiving it on the edgy box and. You've still got all that way to go to create an opportunity. I, I, I remember at one point in the first half, he's, he's throwing the ball over the halfway line. I'm, yeah, can't remember last time I saw City play do that. Um, I'll tell you, I, I know it sounds it sounds daft to say, but again, the defence has got a lot of stick this season, and, and some of it's been warranted. We've got to bear in mind that you know, for the most part, your two centre halves are twenty-one years of age, having never played at this level mm. before, uh, and also. Every 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 mistake they make is amplified by a million because the, we, we can't score goals. So they know that if they concede one, that's the pressure they're under. If they concede one, chances are they're going to lose the game because we can't score at the other end. So you could yeah. see on Saturday, um, as soon as George scores the goal, 37 minutes in or whatever it was, the the, the confidence just came flowing through them. It, it oh. was like watching it was like watching the city away from home last season. You know, playing with a swagger, playing on the front foot. Cutting up, cut, they, they just cut Barnes open for, for for absolute fun. And to be fair, two nil for me, two nil flatters Barnsley. If if, if we're coming away three nil, four yeah. nil, I don't think anybody can genuinely have a criticism and say that's harsh because City were 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 on a different level to them for the most part. And um and but that 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 confidence because they scored first that gave the whole team confidence. It gave the, the, suddenly yeah. they're in front, you know, up to that point, we'd led for 37 minutes in the season, which is ridiculous, 16 games in. And I think we can't underestimate the, the confidence that goal gave them and it gave the defence. They were like, ah, now we can play. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, 
I think up until that goal, it still was a little bit nevy. I don't know if you, you picked up on it yeah, yourself, it was, but yeah, it was definitely they was. spent they spent some large spells deep in our half, and we did well to keep them at bay. But it's right by saying there was spells, and games can sometimes be won by having a good spell and scoring while you're on that good spell. And thankfully, they didn't do that. And it meant we got an opportunity to go to the other end and take control of the game. And I think that's that's what changed it for us. We we scored at a time when we was on top, and we don't often do that. And that, that's always a time to build on. Um, I'll ask you one at a time. What um, will I start with you? And uh, give me give me a positive from the game because there's so many. I want to, I want one of you. I think it was just the the midfield three seemed to be so in control of that of that player whenever they had the ball. They just passing was whereas recently our passing has been maybe lacklustre at times. They just seem to have everything bang on. Yeah, and, and, and obviously, as, as a result, like Honeyman in particular was just—it was like last season again watching Honeyman. Yeah. He just all over the it's all bad. over the place, uh, passing everywhere. The crossing, obviously, he got a goal and an assist. Yeah, he's back, isn't he? He's back. He's mm. looking good. Um, I'd have thought maybe it, it'd have been a good idea to bring him off towards the end. He was looking a little bit jaded, but. Um, Ultimately, McGinnis needed to come off as well, and you couldn't make three subs with only two subs left. So, yeah, um, one of them had to stay on, and I think he, did, he made the right choice. What about you, Ant? Any positives? Did you watch the game? <clears throat> I didn't know. Um, I said before the game I was going to mute all Hull City ish mm. media because I was just fed up of um, watching the same. Even Ant's picked you up now, Baz. <laughs> well, it looks like you need to keep doing that then, Ant. Yeah, well, um, but the. the after about 30 minutes, I caved in and I was glad I did because we ended up winning. Like, I couldn't, I, you can't stay away. That's the most frustrating thing. And, um, but from what I could gather, I think you've got to our biggest weakness this season has been conceding silly goals, conceding set pieces, lapses of concentration at the back. And as you just said, defensively, organization wise, that we're just so much better. And when, when you have that solid platform, it lets your Honeymans, your Keen Lewis Potters, your Dockies press forward because they're safe knowing that, you know, them guys at the back are having a good game, gives them more confidence to go forwards. And, and if we're not conceding goals, we're not losing. <laughs> so, you know, we, we haven't had many games where we've got clean sheets this season. So um, the fact that we managed to stay organised, not concede a silly goal and, and stay solid was, was my positive. Yeah, and what about you, Nathaniel? Uh, I'll go, you know, scoring two decent goals. Like, I know we scored the two against Middlesbrough, but that was a really lucky kind of own goal that that we needed, but it was luck. And then uh, the second one we got because we were 1-0 up and it was the last minute and there was no one defending. Uh, but this time we scored two goals that, you know, were the, especially the first one was well-worked. Um, you know, uh, extremely uh, rare through ball to the striker, which I said on the other podcast, if we just pass it forward along the ground to the striker, that might actually work. And it did. So um, that was good to see. And then, uh, you know, there's another kind of through ball to get Lewis Potter. And that second goal for Lewis Potter is like the one of the only times we've ever had like a one-on-one shooting chance like that in in forever, it, it feels like. Usually from yeah. like a set piece 
or a long throw or just a bit of luck, but actually had a proper decent scoring chance. So you know like that was nice to see. Well, oh, yeah, but um, that wasn't like a that, that we didn't create that normally. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know, I know what you mean. You're trying to trip me up, whatever. Yeah, but um, I know. Cool. No, I know what uh, you're saying. It's, that was nice it's to see. Very... But it's so the Nathaniel, you're just upset because Longman couldn't add the icing on the cake. Oh no! I mean, I I was de absolutely devastated. I was listening on the radio, and I heard he had the chance, and then I could hear the thwack of the post. And I was just mortified. I mean, if Longman had scored, then I mean, I'd be just you know. Buzzing, I, I wouldn't still be able to. Now. I'd still be celebrating by the time the next, you know, game came around in two weeks. <laughs> to be so. honest, I would probably next game because again, Wilkes didn't have a great game. I, I would be starting Longman. Ah, you've the seen the light finally. You just started five weeks ago. It's realistic. Right? I would have started in seventeen games. Oh ago. yeah, Longman Smith KLP. Yeah, that's well, um, that's the way forward. Which positive are you bringing to the table, Badge? Um, for me, it, it was look. Grant said something a few weeks ago, and he got pilloried for it, didn't he? He said, uh, he, he, "And I get what he's trying to say." He talked about the performance, and he's talked about how it's all about the performance. Um, and he explained it. Sometimes Grant explains things poorly; he doesn't necessarily say yeah. them how he wants to say them. If that makes sense, what he was trying to say. Uh, was if we get the performance right, then the result will follow. If we do everything right within our performance, we yeah. will get the result. And I think that was what he got on Saturday, was they did largely everything that he wanted them to do and has been wanting them to do for a period of time, but it all clicked. Um, so the, the positive for me was actually scoring first. And you see in City, seeing the players look like they were enjoying themselves. For the last God knows how many weeks, they, they, they haven't. You know, at, at, yeah. at Luton, they looked that first. I shall never forget it. That first ten minutes at, at Kenilworth Road, they looked scared. They looked like little boys in a, or I should, I should say, little like rabbits in headlights. They looked all over the place. And if Luton had scored that first five minutes, I know they scored seventeen minutes in the end, but if, that, if they score it first five ten minutes, that could have been a massacre by half time, similar to what Coventry suffered there because they were so yeah. poor. They just looked shell shocked. But there was a, a different. And it, there was a very different attitude. I think they got confidence from West Brom. I know they got beat, mm. but I think they took confidence from the from the manner of the display, how resolute they were, and the fact that they lost because of a, a, a silly, you know, yeah, Doc had, had his pocket pinch for the goal for the, the ball in the end. But there was, you know, the goalkeeper should have done better. McLaughlin should have done better. They all should have done better in that in the build up to that goal. But I think that gave them confidence that they'd, they'd gone to the Hawthorns against a very, very good side at this level um, and, and stuck at their task manfully. Now, going to Barnsley, I, I just saw a different, right from the first minute, I saw a different attitude from them. I saw the attitude yeah. that I saw you know, 23 times, well, pretty much 23 times on the road last season. Uh, uh, an, ar an arrogance, but in a good way. You know, We're here. We're good enough. We're going to play. And too many times in the Championship this season, there's been large facets to the game where they've looked like they, they they feel like they don't belong at this level um and forget all the noise around the ownership forget all the noise around the manager this is a group of players that worked their absolute knackers off last season to, to win the league like they did 
to go up as, to, to win promotion as, as as League One winners, they, they, to see them like cowering in, in a way in so many games has been sad because they they put so much effort in last year and if, if they weren't careful, this season was just going to before they know it, they, they were going to be League One footballers again, um, yeah. and I think something there's been a fundamental change in their in their psyche over the last week or so where they thought, hang on a minute, lads, if we carry on going like this, we're back down there. We need to do something about it, and it's almost like it's, it's a, you know, somebody's flicked the light bulb switch, and they, they've gone. Hang on a minute, this is getting serious now. We're sixteen games into a season. We've got to pull our socks up, and we've got to start getting results. Now that look, we went into the last international break on, on a tip on, on the back of a tuna victory, having played not great against Middlesbrough, but got a result. Now the acid test is when when Birmingham come to town in in, in ten days or whatever it is. Can we then deliver a performance and now start putting two or three? Well, certainly wins together, but can we go? Can we can we beat Birmingham and then maybe get a point at Cardiff because that's a huge game. But what we can't do is allow another run of five games like we've just had after the international break, losing five games in a row because we're back to square one and, and Saturday counts for absolutely nothing. So we've no I agree. That, that was kind oh, of going to bring me on to the next point. Uh-huh. Sorry, in terms of the international break, like as the international break come at the wrong time. It, it was, Again, it was yeah. easy to probably Again. say that last time, to say, yeah, it's probably coming at the wrong time in the back of the win, but it did allow us to get the likes of Huddleston and I think it was Coyle back. Coyle came back from suspension, was it? So, you know, it meant that some players are coming back and Honeyman was coming back from injury as well. They so. didn't help, though, did they? <laughs> uh, regardless of that, I mean, at the time, you kind of think, well, big picture, we're going to have a full-fit squad. So it's probably good that we get to have this little rest now on the back of a win and, you know... The problem with this, the problem with this young squad, they're going to that they're, they're they're this season and every game is going to be decided on their confidence levels because we've got such a young and experienced squad at this level. They're gonna there's going to be elements of self doubt when they go into games. Like Baz said, when we, when they went to Luton, they were just you know quite often this season we're going to see them get overwhelmed. When we win. We need we you hope that there was a game on Tuesday because at the moment they're going to be absolutely buzzing. They've just gone away to Barnsley. They they won a huge huge game that they knew they needed to win. They're going to be absolutely bouncing off the walls, and now they've got to wait another two weeks. And when they come back, it's going to be another it's one of them. Where like, like, the momentum's gone. Almost... You don't want to halt the momentum. You want it to keep going and go. And it's the same with the Middlesbrough one. Like we didn't play particularly great against Middlesbrough, but we won. Whereas Barnsley, we played well and won. They, they they will so, desperately win the game quite quickly, but they're not going to get one. The good thing yeah, to come from that is you've got the muscle memory. As, as weird as it sounds, you've got the muscle memory of playing well and enjoying playing well, and you've got the adrenaline that comes through with that as well. And that's what mm-hmm. we're thriving off. And sorry, guys, I, I jumped in. No, you're fine. I was just going to say, yeah, it, it, the international breaks are a pain in the arse, aren't they? But I think it's it's one of them where you can make it suit any narrative. Really, I thought after the, yeah. the Middlesbrough game, it actually came at the right time for the reasons we've just said that. It'd been a long run, you know, from the last one. We played a lot of games, a lot of long trips. Um, Swans is a heck of a trip. Blackburn's not a great trip in a midweek. Uh, you've got various injuries and what have you. And, and I, I felt like it was just a good time to go and breathe. And conversely, with this one, I'm kind of like torn. Where part of me, I, I totally agrees with the momentum because City have that of, of we've had no momentum all, all season since the well, probably since the first day actually. Um, and you kind of think if we were playing to you know tomorrow night or Wednesday, maybe that would be a good thing. But then part of me is like, well, maybe actually it's been such a heavy period. Five defeats has taken a lot out of them, and then the 
the amount they would have expended at Barnsley getting that result and the relief and just going home and going bloody hell, thanks, lads, we've finally got a win. Um, maybe the, the, the break might do them good. I, look, it is what it is. The, the breaks, the breaks here, whether we like it or not. And I think what they have got to do is 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 use this time effectively um, and come back. I, I want to ask you something actually, if it's if it's okay, you you you, you four, because obviously I'm not allowed to home games, um, so my perception is 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 different, but. I fear. I feel from from watching and, and following it as I do that the players fear playing at home in front of the, because of the atmosphere, because of the the low crowd, the, the feeling around the the, the, the owner. Um, obviously, didn't experience that last year because nobody was there. So, but I, it kind of like are they? Do you sense that they're that the players was, a bit frightened? That was a worry and a bit of an apprehension for me coming into the season. But I've kind of got to give the credit where it's due, and a lot of people around us will probably back this up. They're not really that negative in terms of, as a group, vocalising towards um, the players directly. In terms of being point, really quiet, I mean, not so much because I, I know that the, the fans have been yeah. really good towards the players, but just in terms of like the overall, you know, atmosphere, if yeah. you like. I, I always feel it's quite nervy rather than. Yeah. I think it's always quite a nervous atmosphere, especially before yeah. the game, mm. regardless of who we're playing. I mean, I, I can imagine being a, a city player. I wouldn't want to play at home. Yeah, personally, because the problem is, is that the toxicity amongst fans towards the owners and the manager creates, even subconsciously without them realising, this, I think, nerve and tension in the players because they know as soon as we go 1-0 down, they've lost the fans. Not necessarily the fans against the players, but the fans then turn against the manager who, you know, in turn, the support kind of quietens down. Kind of. I mean, I, I, I ain't attended any home games this season because I haven't been able to with a new job. But I can hear and see, yeah. like, kind of... Uh, I, I get a vibe from watching it that I would hate to be a player playing at home in front of our fans at the moment. I honestly don't think it's that bad. Um, I'm shocked as to how much better it is than what I thought it was going to be. Whether my expectations were a lot lower. But you get the odd people that shout a little bit, of, you know, a, bit, a little bit of crap at... Uh, overall, considering where we are in the league and the runs we've been on, I think it's been pretty good in yeah. terms of positivity. Willow back me up when we're like 1-0 down. There's still a lot of chanting and positive chanting, you know, chanting all city songs, not we want McCann out. That only started at Peterborough. You know, a long yeah. time before that, we was on, we was on bad run. We're still behind him, you know, and, and that's the... To answer your question, I don't think it has been as bad as people are making out to be or what we thought it was going to be. Yeah. So... I've asked the question in terms of the international break, whether it's come at the, the right time or not. As McCran, as McCran, as McCann, <laughs> bought him, McCrank, McCon, um, whatever you want to go with. Um, it's a typo, but I've said it. Um, as McCann bought himself a, a bit of extra time. Two games. Um, I would say he's in the job until a takeover happens anyway. That's true. Um, so regardless... He, well, I mean, I suppose if it, in any other normal case, yes, he has bought time with a yeah. victory. But I think he's gone beyond as, the, as long as all of the takeover news is going about, if it does happen, he's still going to be in a job as long as that's happening. And I think I asked this question on the back of what's been a bit of a strange weekend in terms of seconds. You know, we've seen Dean Smith go on the back of five losses. Um, it was a massive Aston Villa fan. And then you've got Daniel Farke has gone after winning his first game in the league. Winning a game. With, with Norwich. 
Neil Warnock goes straight after the game against Middlesbrough and comes out in the press and I knew it was going to happen anyway. You know, there's been some um, weird managers. I think I've missed the one off with the four. I think there's four unless it was three. But, um, Not really. you know, there's, there's no surprise with Warnock when Chris Wilder's come in the next day and he's been announced. You know, something clearly has been going on in the background and he probably knows all about that. Given the two weeks international break to work on his team, didn't it? Um, mm. What does everybody else mean? Do you reckon McCann's on? Do you reckon he's been given a couple of extra games on the back of that? I think it's gone. The problem with McCann is, is he's gone. The goodwill of the fans from his title wins just gone. It, it, there is, there is no, there's no way for him to repair it unless he went on some unrealistic, huge win streak and we ended up in the top half of the table. The, the problem is, is that every loss now, he's, he, he's everyone wants him gone. And I mean, it, it, I think I asked on the podcast account a question that even if we had the takeover come through and we had the new owners come in, would you still want McCann to be manager and given a budget and see what he can do with, you know, spending some money or would you just want him instantly gone? And everyone wanted, obviously we were in bad form at the time, everyone wanted him instantly gone. And I just think it's that, that thing where he'd have to win a lot of games in a row and then even that one loss at the end, he could probably win five games in a row and then lose a game, everyone would want him gone. It's just in that situation yeah. now where he's beyond repair. Let's, for me. let's put it into perspective then. So currently, I think he's on a run of 18 points from a possible, is it 108 or maybe 111? Yeah. If he wins his next Somewhere 10 else. games now, if he wins his next game, 10 games now, that's 141 points available and he's only got 48 points out of it. That still isn't a brilliant stat. So it, there is a lot of work that needs to be done in terms of turning around the um, form table. I think. Yeah, I think it's that, for me, it's one of those situations where I feel like if if supporters were, is if, again, we're, we're playing hypotheticals, aren't we? If supporters were present last season, do Hull City get promoted in the first instance? That's a, that's a, that's a, a, another debate for another day. Not. Um, but the problem, the, the, the issue I think Grant's got is because of, of the, the, the way that the season fell apart in the Championship, uh, you know, you think that the last the last games that you folks were there to see was a, a Tonkin at home to Leeds and a Tonkin away at, at Stoke City, and then you, you know we have we have the pandemic. We come back and we get relegated on the back of some ridiculous, you know, sixteen defeats in twenty or told. But then because it, it, they did so well last year and there's nobody there to see it, so I, I feel like had that happened with fans in last season, there may have been a potential healing of the relationship between the supporters and the manager. Um, and a bonding, if you like, because of the success, a natural bonding because of the the manner of the performances and the the, the success that, that brought. But because that 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 wasn't the case, it's almost like it, it's not been necessarily brushed into the carpet, but it's 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 easy forgotten. And so everybody comes back, fans come back into the stadium. Yeah, okay, we're in Preston, but fans come back to the the MKM as it is now and see the team getting tonked three to home to QPR. Yeah, played well against QPR and didn't deserve to lose 3-0 but lost 3-0 and then you lose against Derby and suddenly fans have fans went away having seen the team being beaten every week and they've come back seeing the team beaten every week and I think because they didn't have that, this, this, that bond wasn't created last year I think that's had an impact and f- for me it feels like no matter what Grant does now the relationship between him and the supporters is untenable um, which is something I wrote a few weeks ago and I think it, 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 if, if the circumstances were different um, and the relationship wasn't like it was. I think you'd probably say, actually, he's got the tools, he's got the ability to probably turn it around as a, as a, as with a group of players that are 
are probably playing at their maximum. You know, you can't criticise their effort. They just, as a group of players, they haven't been good enough. That's not their fault. You know, Richie, Richie Smallwood has got a lot of stick this season from supporters. But for me, effort-wise, he's playing he's playing to the maximum of his ability. Um, and and I think a lot of them are. But from, I just think that the, the relationship between Grant and the supporters is, is at such a low that five wins wouldn't do it. And like you say, Anne, he, wouldn't, he could win six in a row. But then that next game, and we're back to square one again. That six game, you know, that thirty of whatever gets forgotten, um, and it's it, it, so he's going to go if a takeover happens. Obviously, you know the comments he's made in the last week or so to the BBC in terms of like mitigating factors, and then opening up a bit more about burning Brzezicki and talking about his budget at the Hawthorns last week. You know, it's it, it's it's the sort of stuff you'd expect a manager to say that. You know, to a potential new owner to say, "Look, hang on a minute, give me a chance. This is not all my doing." You know, and it isn't yeah. all he's doing. That's I think, and I think he just he he gets a lot of stick because he can be quite abrasive to the media. He can be quite say certain things to fans. I don't know the fella. Obviously, I've I've spoken to him a few times. You know, whatever. But I I get the feeling that sometimes he 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 he, he, he says things. And they come out not quite how he means them, if that makes sense. I'm not, and I'm not his fanboy. I'm not trying to make excuses for him. You know, I don't owe him anything or whatever. I'm just, I'm just trying to be objective and say it as I see it, really. No, I think what you're doing is you, you get information, you see it how you see it, and then you relate it back. Whereas a lot of fans don't get to see that side of it, and all they get to judge him on is he put eleven players out, and those eleven players lost a game for him. And a lot of fans are guilty of judging managers based on results. We all do, them, because we're all fans ultimately. We all we all see it as we want to see it. I think I'm a, I think I'm a rare breed because I fair watching a good game. You know, I, I sit here as a whole city fan and I'm happy. What I watch it as a neutral and think, oh, this is a good game of football. This, mm. regardless of what goal the kids are, I, I think I'm a bit weird in that aspect. Um, and I, I think QPR game is where our our season went wrong because. We went into that game on a really, really good performance at the back of Preston. We unfortunately go 1-0 down against QPR and then in large against a run of play at the time. Um, and then when we're getting back into the game, unlucky Munker gets sent off. Um, and I didn't like that decision because he got pushed in the back before he slid in. It wasn't a sending off either, by the way. It was That was a poor decision. No, he got pushed in the back and the momentum took him through the play with a lot more force than he wanted to. He gets sent off and then we're chasing the game with 10 men and 1-0 down and we ultimately lose the game 3-0. And it's not a game I don't think we deserve to lose. Maybe we could have lost, but the performance was there for us to have a lot better scoreline. And I think that's kind of not the sales out of the players. Munker struggled to get back in the team and he really drove us forward in both games. And it's I think that's kind of where we went downhill a bit and we've struggled to recover from that moment. That's my thought anyway. Does, yeah. does anyone think we make any changes? Going into Birmingham and come back. Um, well, Emmanuel coming for Coyle. <clears throat> Emmanuel definitely will come in for Coyle. Obviously, Coyle left wearing a protective boot, which is a bit of a cause for concern. But Emmanuel came on and was had a good performance. <laughs> um, I'll say it because um, because Nathaniel's not here. Longman to start up with Wilkes. <laughs> yeah, I'd play Longman whenever Wilkes. And I'd probably play. Ty- I'd give Tyler Smith. Uh, Steinberg again as well because I thought even though obviously it was late on in the game and Barnes were a bit tired when them three were on the pitch they just seemed to have so much chemistry together I think he likes we, we as home fans like to see the sort of the tenacity and the running off the ball and 
we get that with Tyler Swift. And it's Tyler, getting mixed up with Taylor Swift. Um, Taylor Swift. Tyler man. Smith. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Be better than McGinnis at the moment. Um, <laughs> but when we saw him playing against Bournemouth, that really did off the ball. It gave us something that we haven't seen in all six yet for quite some time. And I think that's kind of what we need to start with against um, against Birmingham. Well, the only problem is at the minute is that we play McGinnis and, and we're trying to hope that he he acts as this um, outlet for the attack that we can sort of hit the ball into and he'll keep it in his feet and then spread it out wide for the wingers to do the damage kind of thing, like, like we did last season and that he did so well. But this season, it just doesn't seem to have been working. And like we've mentioned before, how more static the players seem to be in the middle um, and, and not really making movements that are progressive, trying to go forward. We keep playing it from the back four into the midfield and then back to the back four and then the opposition keep the shape and then we kind of go, well, I don't know where to pass it and then just hit it long. And it and McGinnis isn't holding it up. So we, we spend a lot of the game sort of just hitting the ball long and then it coming straight back to mm. us. I think pan, fans are pining for the likes of Tyler Smith and um, someone different to Wilkes that will try and run beyond because that front three... If you can get the ball down and play and start asking questions and playing through balls in behind and trying to play on the counter, which you assume that they were going to do quite often this season, because we're not going to be on the front foot of every game, obviously. Um, that front three, that pace, that direct running that they do would be an absolute nightmare for any back four. And and I I, I don't know what it is with, with Smith. He came in and then he sort of vanished out the squad for a bit and then has come back against Barnsley. I don't know if there's maybe a fitness issue or, you know, I mean, he's sort of, the strikers are on some sort of because he brought Eves in for a bit and then that didn't work out, so he put McGinnis back in. First chance he got, and do you know what I mean? It's it's a tough one. I think it's a little bit harsh on McGinnis because when the ball hits him, he is good at what he does. Um, if you hit him directly to his feet or maybe to his chest, then he's great at what he does. But anything above that in terms of holding the ball up, it generally tends to struggle. And if it's not, it doesn't hit him. You know, it's it's a dead ball half the time. But the time he was on, I thought he, I thought he was effective on Saturday, and particularly the the first goal where he spun his, as I said the, earlier on, the coil fizzed the ball into him, and he spun his marker, put the the ball in for, for the opener. But yeah, McGinnis was key to how they played last year. You know, his his, his ability to, to to be the like almost like the human battering ram and take two defenders and, and that, that freed up KLP and, and Malik on either either side, but. Uh, I would personally stick with McGuinness. I think he's limited at this level, but I think he brings enough that would warrant him being in the team. If you've got a, a, a Smith, Stroke, Longman, um, who's had, we should also add that he's had, he's been poorly with COVID, so that's why he's been struggling. Mm, yeah, I, I mean, I like Tyler Smith. I'm a big fan of him, and you speak to any any defender, and they say that the one thing they hate is pace. Yeah, they, being up against somebody like a McGuinness is is physically difficult and tiring, but you know, KLP and, and, and Tyler have got so much pace and they've got the ability to take the team 20 yards further up the pitch. And that's 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 what they were doing on Saturday, KLP was doing, and obviously when Tyler came on. Um, but you've touched on it already, but the, the ability of the midfielders to, to, to be busy and to, to play further up. And that's again, that's what they were doing Saturday. I mean, Doherty was exceptional and and George as, as well. And you've got kind of Richie in that, in that shielding role. And it, again, at, at risk of, of, of repeating what we said earlier, that was the what we saw on Saturday was exactly what we saw away from home last year for the most part, and that was why they were successful. So, you know, 
great they've gone back to it. Why it's taken 15 or 16 games, I'm not entirely sure, but we are where we are and we, we'd be happy we've got it. Yeah. Well, that, that kind of wraps up everything. So thank you for joining us, Baz. It's been a pleasure to have you on, learn a little bit more about who you are, what you do. So, so um, thanks for joining us and fingers crossed we can get you back in the stadium. Can so, I ask Baz one more uh, question before we finish? Yeah, go for it. Go on. I've been asked to. I've been asked to ask a couple actually. So we had someone on Twitter ask, um, "Do you do you know say say McCann is sacked, for example, the takeover goes through McCann's sacked? What manager do you think realistically is going to come to all City?" That's a that's a really really difficult question, isn't it? Um, can I come back? You've loaded that one right at the end. <laughs> I don't, you know, I, I I don't know. I, a lot of people were talking about Chris Wilder. Um, Neil, I don't even like Neil Warnock. I don't think that's the way to go. I, I kind of, I'm not sure really. Now, mm. now you've asked me that. I, I, it's a difficult one because they've got a young group of a young group of players. The average age is 25, but um, you know they've got a relatively young, talented group of players. And I think it, it all comes down to the investment, doesn't it? Because at the minute, there's no investment. So Grant's having to work with, you know, a transfer embargo and two hands tied behind his back because he's got no money. Um, so he, I, I'm at this stage, I'm really not sure. And Alex Neil would be possibly, but again, I'm not. Yeah, he'd be if you were to like now. If I was to think of a name, Alex Neil probably. But I, I'd want to do a bit more research. I'd want to look into it properly and, and see who's, you know, yeah. I, quite like the Pop idea. It in an article. Yeah, I quite like the idea of a Graham Potter coming in from Ostersunds or a, like Ian Birch at, yeah. at, at Moss County. You know, you're thinking outside the box rather than just going for the the, the, the managerial merry-go-round of play, oh, manager's been sacked, let's bring him in, he gets sacked, let's bring the next manager and it's been sacked and, it, and so it goes yeah. on. I think sometimes you need to look outside. Like Brian Barry Murphy, I was impressed with what he did at, at, at Rochdale again, the, the way they played, but a limited budget and, and all, you know, I, I don't know. Um I don't know. Like I think Post Oglu at um, Celtic. He was a great show. Yeah. I tell you what, I like Ryan Lowe at Plymouth. I think, uh, you know, um, I think he's got something about him. He's, he's, he seems to be doing a good job, a good job down there. Um, so, yeah, probably probably something like Ryan Lowe if, if I was pushed, actually. Yeah. I've answered okay. your question. And then, <laughs> and then the, the, the question I think that every City fan, and I know I've asked <laughs> you on Twitter and you, you, you genuinely Yeah. So... In terms of the takeover, I know they've said a club statement about being in a period of exclusivity and stuff, but understandably so because it's failed so many times already. In terms of the takeover, do you see it actually happening? Or do you think, because we, we don't actually know this much about, we can pretend we know some things about this this geezer, but realistically, it, does he have the money to actually buy the club and keep us going? Is it going to go through? Uh, I, don't, I don't think he's got the money himself. Uh, I think he's got people with him that, that have, that have got the money. Um, so I don't think there's any issue about, about the finance. I wouldn't be too concerned about, you know, lack of money or, you know, he's going to come in and buy the club and then suddenly, you know, can't afford to pay the, the water bill. Um, so I, I, I believe that he's got, he's got money, but I believe he's also got people with him that, that uh, would, you know, would, would not necessarily consult him as such, but, you know, yeah, like, for example, he may bet, he, he may buy, 80% of the football club and he may have a, a, a kind of a, a silent partner that has 20% or something like that. Um, but there's certainly money there. Um, he's a genuine, he seems to be like, he's not a, 
one of these fake shake kind of fellows or the 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 con artist Alonso tried to buy Derby. Um, it, you know, posted you know, posted pictures of somebody else's house on Twitter to try and claim he got some money. Um, he's, he's, he seems a genuine article, albeit very difficult to get in contact with. But um, look, it, it it seems to be that he's going through due diligence now. He's he, you know, I'm, I'm 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 always loath to say too much because you as City fans know you've been further down the track before and there's been false dawns. You know the Alams have been saying cheerios just to the office staff before and it's not happened. So. Um, I think this is different. I think this is. I think there's a will now, a genuine will to get the club sold to move on. I think they've accepted that they've taken it as far as they can financially. They've taken it as far as they can, uh, and and for the, the the benefit of the family and also the football club, they go their separate way. So I think yes, I, I'm 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 start. I've been skeptical all the way through. I'll be honest. I've I've not been sure. Um, but this last week, ten days, I've started to think actually. This 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 could well happen, um, and there's certain things going on behind the scenes. Like, and I'd love to go into them, but sometimes you just can't, for whatever reason you can't. There's certain things that have happened behind the scenes that would lead me to think that they're going, they're on the way, they're on the way out. Um, and hopefully they'll, you know, we can put what they are that will come out in the wash in the in the, in the coming weeks. But um, I would be I would be more confident having knowing that these things are happening behind the scenes and if they weren't. Exclusive. Baz tells us it's happening. <laughs> yeah, when it falls on its arse, it's not my fault. <laughs> I'll take that. I'm happy with that answer. Yeah. No, it's good. Um, but thanks for having me, folks, any time. It's always a pleasure to come on and talk to you lot and um, engage with the supporters because that's it. You know, you're the lifeblood of the football club and um, as any fan is and, that, and it's important to, to be in touch with with you folks and understand what you're feeling, you know, and I do urge, any, urge any City fan to come and talk to me, you know, I'm approachable, I want to know your stories, come and talk to me, um, you, you know, it's a wonderful football club and and I've been honoured to, to be, to cover it for the last, as best I can for the, you know, over the last 18 months or so, it's been a, it's been a heck of a ride and hopefully the next 18 months will be, will be similar. Oh, but there was a solid and bad followers back on Twitter, mate. Okay. <laughs> got, I'm, I'm awful at Begging. following back and, and messages. I'm terrible. Um, my mate's <laughs> I'm even terrible at replying. My brother will tell you. He'll, he'll, he'll text me and I'm, I'm like, yeah, I must reply. Must, must reply. And then three days later, he's like, did you reply? <laughs> no. <laughs> so I, I will. Hello, Joe. My, my AirPods just died on me. So um, I think that means I have to wrap it up. <laughs> but no, it's been a it's been a pleasure having you on, Baz, and uh, I think the guys will agree. Um, it's been nice to see a different face. Like I said, I didn't really connect that well with Phil reading his stuff, though. So, um, it's been nice to have you on. I appreciate. It. I'm just so, a fan. That's all I. I'm just a football fan. You know, um, I love I love the I love my club. I love you know going to watch the games. I'm passionate, and I just I want you know I I think that um it. it I, I just want to be able to to put my stamp on it and and, and make you folks enjoy what you're reading because you know if I don't enjoy reading, I know you you lot aren't. And ultimately, we're all the same. We're all football fans. We all love our club. We all want them to do well. Um, and um, yeah, so let's hope that you know the next time we speak, we're you know we're, we're talking after a few victories and we're a bit further up the table. Fingers crossed. Cheers, Baz. Yeah. Thanks a lot. Take care, folks. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. 
Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club. Because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.